Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermon. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Today's going to be a, a little bit different. Hang with us. We're going to uh, invite Ethan Murray to come and speak to us today. And for you guys that don't know Ethan, Ethan came uh, to the church a few years back and, uh, you know, truthfully, really, really green in his walk with God. And, uh, you know, we started having some open dialogue. And, and I remember having a, a single uh, conversation with him standing right here. And uh, it was in the conversation, I told him this, Ethan, look, you can, you can keep hopping around to all these churches, and, uh, but at the end of the day, the Bible says, uh, basically, where we're planted, that's where we flourish. So it doesn't matter if it's here or if it's somewhere else, wherever you feel like God's called you, you need to get planted so you can flourish in the things God has for your life. And once again, there was no pressure in that. I just said, hey, look, once again, we're Bible-believing people. And so, you know, Ethan showed up the next week and said, look, I prayed. I feel like I'm supposed to be here. And then he took the next step. He just not only started building relationships with, uh, you know, people that are in the body, but he also started serving, uh, you know, downstairs with the kids. He started helping out with the teenagers on Thursday nights. He just dove in. He just, he just said, hey, here's Bible. Here's how we do it. Let's go. And in the middle of all that, something amazing happened. God spoke to him and told him that he was called to do full-time ministry. And so, uh, you know, as he progressed, uh, you know, I think it was very evident to the leadership here in this church that there's no doubt that this, that this boy has the anointing on his life and, and the call of God's on his life for him to do great things. And so, um, as he continued uh, kind of progressing with us, uh, let me just kind of throw something out. God, God typically uses relationships to get us where we need to go. And there was a relationship that Jennifer and I had with a certain ministry that he got exposed to. It's Mountain Gateway. And, uh, you know, it just kind of goes back if he had never been planted. You, you know, it's like how God moves to pieces. It's amazing, right? And so anyways, so, so he, he felt like God spoke to him. He told him to go to Mountain Gateway. It was awesome. A prophetic guy came rolling through here, confirmed it. And, uh, and so, you know, a year ago, uh, we kind of launched him out. He went to a school of ministry that focuses on missions. He spent uh, a month in Mexico and then spent the rest of that 10 months just getting trained, learning, and growing. And, uh, but while he was in Mexico and then the more as he prayed, God confirmed to him that he has a calling to be a missionary. And uh, which, once again, that the leadership here definitely, uh, you know, affirms and, and, you know, agrees with. And so anyways, so like I told you a few weeks back, uh, you know, he's about to make that transition. He's, you know, been hanging out with us for a month, but he's about to leave this week uh, to move to Antigua, Guatemala to go learn Spanish so he can do what God's called him to do. And so I asked him, I don't know, about three, four or five weeks ago, hey, look, before you leave, I want you to share with the body because we're his family, we're his church. Uh, you know, share, share with the people what God has put in your heart. And so uh, that's what we're going to do today. Uh, you know, like I told you, you know, originally, uh, you know, whatever I was going to preach to, it was kind of funny, you know, he's preaching and I just leaned over to Pastor Brian and Brian said this this morning, he said, well, I think that's the word of the Lord and I agree with him. So, so we're going to let God speak. And so I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to get hungry, okay, to lean in and let Jesus talk to you because I believe he wants to. 
Amen. And, uh, you know, he, he has a sermon prepared, but I've been doing this long enough to know that God has a great way to speak between the lines and say whatever he needs to say. But it requires us to have faith and to lean in. Amen. Amen. So, Jesus, we thank you for Ethan. Lord, we simply pray that your anointing would rest upon him. Father, we ask that you would help us to be hungry, open our ears, open our hearts to simply receive from heaven, to receive from you, to receive from your word today. God, there's no doubt that you have something to say. Speak loud and clear so we don't miss it. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you all welcome Ethan Murray. Uh, good morning, second service. Uh, this is the lively service. Y'all got to sleep in today. <laughs> so I want to thank Pastor Quentin for letting me share um, what's been on my heart and kind of the message I felt the Lord telling me to share this morning is, is the story of a man called Naaman who he, um, he struggled to take the small steps with God. But when he finally did, he got the big response. And so I'm going to be hanging out in 2 Kings 5 for, uh, for the entire sermon today. So let's start off with, uh, with verse 1. I'm going to preach off my handy-dandy phone here. This is the first time I've, I've preached off of this, this little phone. I have a, my regular Bible down here in case the battery runs out, but I think <laughs> I charged it last night, which is a miracle, if you all know me. And so I think we'll be okay. But verse 1, it says, Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. It says, Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. Now, let's note that this is the guy who's in charge of raiding Israel. Like Naaman's going into Israel, killing people, taking their stuff. He took this girl and, and came back, and now she's, she's serving Naaman's wife. And she basically said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. And so Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. Now, this is a, uh, an incredibly humbling thing for Naaman to step out and do. You know, this guy has been raiding Israel. He's been in charge of the army, and now he has to go to this country that he has been invading with gifts for the prophet, a letter for the king, and, and say, hey, can you all help me out with, <laughs> with this? Like, if I was in Israel's position, I'd probably say no. You know what I'm saying? Like, he'd been raided in Israel, and now he has to go and present himself before the king because he needs help. It says, the letter that he took uh, to the king of Israel reads, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. What a powerful statement. 
that is, send him to me and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. Like if we could have that kind of boldness to say, hey, come to me and I'll show you that there's a prophet here in Rockport, here in Rockland. I'll show you that there's a God. What would this region look like? What would our lives look like if we had that kind of boldness that Elijah had, if we had that kind of faith in God? And so Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elijah sent a messenger to say to him, go and wash, or some translations say dip, yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. And that's quite a small step to take to get a big response from God, no? But I think it's important to note that, uh, that the Jordan River, it wasn't and still isn't the cleanest river in the world. Basically, in Naaman's day, the Jordan was the river that you use for all sorts of unsanitary purposes. Like, if, I'm not going to say it, but if you're thinking it, it's probably true. <laughs> and so it was muddy, it was dirty, and it certainly was not the place that someone would go to get cleaned. And so it was completely contradictory to the outcome that Naaman was expecting, that he was hoping that he'd be promised. Okay, so, and we see that. We see that in Naaman's response in verse 11. It says this, I'm going to read it off here. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot, and cure me of leprosy. Like Naaman is used to having servants and telling them what to do. And now here, in the country that he's invading, is a servant coming out and telling him what to do. He thought Elijah was going to come out. He was going to call on the name of the Lord, literally wave his hand over Naaman and cure him of leprosy. That didn't happen. And so he became angry and he got discouraged because he had came with an expectation of how God was supposed to move in his life. I have often gone, Jesus, can you not just wave your hand over this, over this situation? Like more often than not, and every time it's no, but every time I, uh, I try. So. <laughs> and us knowing the story, and we can read the end of the story, it's easy for us to look at Naaman and think, man, what a knucklehead he's being, right? Just go and do what God told you to do. Take the small step, and you'll get the big response. But let's put ourselves in Naaman's shoes for a second and think we have been given hope for the first time in our life from an incurable disease, and we've traveled to a country that hates us. Remember, Naaman's been invading Israel, and We've been sent to the house of the man that's supposed to cure us of this disease, and it's not even him, but his servant that comes and answers the door, tells us to go and wash in a dirty, muddy river, <laughs> and then closes the door and, and sends us on our way. Like, I don't know about you, but I would struggle. I would struggle with that. I'd have a hard time with it. And let's read on in verse 12 here. It says, Naaman goes on to say, Are not the Abana and the Farpa?" the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel. Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he went off in a rage. Like he literally offered alternatives to God on a better way 
that things can be done. Now, I know nobody in this room has ever done anything like that before. <laughs> not us, not this church. You know. Yeah, Naaman, he, he couldn't understand how washing in this muddy river was going to cure him of leprosy. And so he struggled to be obedient. And it's my opinion that we can get a similar attitude where we don't understand why God is asking us to do certain things or understand the way he's asking us to do stuff. I want you all to listen to this. If you don't hear what I've just said, listen to this, because this is what Jesus told me. He said, God does not owe us an explanation for why he does things the way he does. And that sometimes he will ask us to do things that we don't understand to stretch our faith so that we can follow him. Because it's, it's not what he does or how he does them that should determine our level of obedience, but who he is. Okay, having a knowledge of just how much your heavenly father loves you, just how much he wants to bless us, should be the only thing that determines our level of obedience. And now that is way easier said than done. But the Lord is not ready for us to walk off in a rage like, like Naaman or become discouraged. You know, because sometimes we don't walk off in a rage, but we become discouraged. And so we tend to give up. You know, we, t- <laughs> we tend to, okay, well, I, I can't do that. And so I'm not even going to try. But God's not ready for us to do that. You see, he's going to pursue us. He's patient with us. There's a moment of grace for that moment of, this is difficult, and I'm not sure about this. There's grace for that. And he's going to send those people to go talk to you. He's going to send that person. He's going to give you that scripture. He's going he's to play that worship song on the radio that's going to encourage you, that's going to spur you on to walk out this walk of faith. And we see something similar to that in verse 13. It says, Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? And notice the comments that, that these servants make. You know, God, God had sent them to him to correct him, to rebuke him to encourage him, and the comment they make is, man, if he would have told you to do something great, if he would have told you to do something big, you would have done it. But because he told you to do something small, you struggled with it. You see, the small steps often seem inconvenient and irrelevant, but they always get the big response, okay? And then we read on, and the end of the story is, well, the end of the scripture I'm going to be in, is that Naaman goes to, uh, he goes to the river. He dips the full seven times. He takes the advice of his servants. And it says that he made him clean, and his flesh was restored to that of a child's. Now, I don't want us to miss that it was the full obedience of Naaman that brought this healing. He didn't just go and dip a toe in the Jordan, but he went and dipped the full seven times. Now, 
Here's Naaman. I like to think he went down to the river and he dipped one time and he came up unclean. He dipped twice and he came up unclean. Three times, unclean. Unclean, 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 and then clean. To full obedience to God always, always, always brings a blessing. Now, I, I didn't say this in the first service, but as we were praying, I just felt like the Lord had put something on my heart for somebody in the room. That first of all, they need to know that God loves them, that God loves you. But there is something that the Lord has been telling you to do that you have struggled with, and, and it's been difficult. And there's a grace for that. And God loves you. Y'all got to know that. But he wants you to be obedient. I didn't say that for a service. But God loves you and he wants you to be obedient. You see, and I'm, I'm willing to bet that there is, there is more people in here that have been waiting on that promise from God. And we've gone maybe full of, full of faith to the Jordan. And we've dipped once, and maybe we've dipped twice. But when we didn't see God show up, we got discouraged and we left. We left the river and went back to life because we came with an expectation of how he was going to show up. But I want you to know that God wants you to go back to the river and dip the full seven times and see if he does not show up in your life. See if he does not bring that miracle in your family, that healing in your workplace. See if he doesn't bring revival to this church and to this town. Full obedience of God always brings a blessing, especially when we're willing to take that small step and let him meet us there. So I want to share with you guys a, uh, a personal story. You know, as many of you guys know, I've spent the past year training with Mountain Gateway. And during that year, I, I lived off of support, and I also traveled a lot. And so while I'm in North Carolina, in Pastor Quinton's home, right down the street from where Pastor Quinton used to live, um, my car began to give me a ton of issues. I mean, like, it, it began to fall apart. And so I took it to a shop, and, and they gave me an estimate of about $1,000. You know, brake work was, was the main thing that I needed done. I'm not a mechanic, I don't claim to be, but brakes seem rather important <laughs> for me being able to get to the next place and to be able to come here and, and speak to y'all. And so I, I also had a bill of another $1,000 from Mountain Gateway's wilderness semester that I had to pay. And it was, I wasn't sure if I would be able to comfortably pay this bill for my car so I began to read through the estimate and pick and choose the parts that I thought I could get away with, with, with getting fixed. Um, but I was, as I was praying that night, I felt the Lord say to me, I want you to give away $1,000 back into the ministry. And that took me back. You know what I'm saying? That, that surprised me. I know it wasn't me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but it surprised me because I wasn't sure if I was hearing him right. Often it's just a couple of words that can completely change the conversation. So I questioned and I said, did you say you wanted me to get $1,000 <laughs> back? 
from somewhere in the ministry. Because that would make a lot more sense for the predicament that I'm in. Can't you just like go, go gadget, Jehovah Jireh, wave your hand over it and, and fix the issue? But, I, but I, knew what, I knew what he had told me to do. But it was uncomfortable. Obedience is rarely comfortable, but it always brings a blessing. But I held on to it. I didn't do anything. I just held on to that for a couple days. But that feeling wouldn't go away. Y'all ever, God ever tell you guys something to do something and you haven't done it? And then it just festers? That's what I had. And it's awful, <laughs> you know? And so eventually I gave in. And I said, okay, I'm going to give away $1,000 to wherever you tell me to give, give the money to. And you tell me to give it in increments. And so I gave $300 as the first increment. And I thought I was going to have one of those Abraham Isaac moments and the ram's going to appear and he's going to say, you've proven yourself faithful, good and faithful servant, like well done, you don't have to give any more money. And he was going to sort everything out. That did full obedience to God. And so I kept giving until I given the full thousand dollars. And then I took my car into the shop. Got all the work done that needed to be done. You know, I didn't, I didn't skimp. And when I, when I picked my car up, they had informed me that it was in worse condition than they thought. <laughs> and that a lot more work needed to be done to the car. More parts needed to be done. But all of that work, all of those parts were covered. I didn't have to pay for that. I didn't know how much that would have cost. But I do know that small steps get big responses from God when we're fully obedient. And so with me being called to the mission field and then coming back here, like people often ask me, like, how can you just be obedient to God like that? How is it so easy for you to just be obedient to the Lord? And the truth is it's not. Right? Oftentimes I feel like Damon. <laughs> You know, I come with an expectation of how God is supposed to work in my life, and I often just want him to wave his hand over the situation and take care of it. And I don't understand a lot of the small steps that he's asking me to do. But it is not my understanding that determines my obedience to God. Okay, I have a knowledge that my Heavenly Father loves me, that he is for me, that he will never leave or forsake me. And I am here to encourage you that your heavenly father loves you, that he is for you, that he will never leave or forsake you. And in light of that simple, simple truth, there is no logical reason for us to not take the small steps with God, fully obedient, and watch him show up in a big way, in big responses. And so... I want to leave you guys with one question. Okay, what would our lives look like if we were willing to take the small steps with God, fully obedient, even if it's as crazy as Naaman going and dipping seven times in the Jordan River? What's your Jordan River? What is he asking you to be obedient to? And what would your life look like 
if you just were willing to take the small steps, small step after small step after small step, and watch God come in big, big, big responses. What would this church look like? What would your family look like? What would Rockport look like? Because I promise you, small steps get big responses when we're fully obedient to God. That's what I know to be true. So thank you for letting me speak. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.